Nothing But The Words, episode number 30, when you're writing to no one. Welcome to Nothing But The Words, the podcast that gives you everything you need to know to write a phenomenal book. Now here's your host, your author coach, Candace L. Davis. Hey there, welcome to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis. I'm starting to think I need to do some voice training soon because after a long day of coaching authors, my voice is tired, but my energy is good. And I'm here to talk to you about how you can make your book better. Now, I know I hear a lot of writers and artists and intellectuals who say they don't watch TV. I am not that person. My husband and I actually watch a fair amount of television and movies, and we are typically drawn to exceptional storytelling and interesting documentaries, and I personally am drawn to anything that can really make me laugh. And sometimes that's high on the scale of, let's say, class, and sometimes it's a little more lowbrow, but I do watch television. My husband actually works in television and film, and... It's a part of our life. It's very much integrated into our lives. And we watch a lot of shows because he has friends or colleagues who work on them. We watch a lot of shows because they just appeal to us. I even watch some escapist fare that I like to watch for pure entertainment or when I just need a laugh. So straight up, I'm a TV watcher, which brings me to the topic for this week. On a recent episode of the TV show Greenleaf, which comes on OWN, several of the characters throughout the episode refer to a character named Winky. This whole storyline formed around Winky and how he would react to some bad news. One character even spoke directly to Winky during the episode. However, as the episode ended, my husband noted that Winky never appeared on camera. So if you're not a regular watcher of Greenleaf, you will be wondering who the heck Winky is. You will be wondering, why is everyone talking to him and about him in the way that they are? Winky's a kid, and so it would make sense if you knew that he was a five or six-year-old little boy. But if you didn't, you'd be wondering why these people are talking to this character this way. Because the characters were really speaking to the ether. We never saw Winky, so they were speaking to no one. So that's also where I see a lot of authors go wrong with their books. They're not clear about who they're talking to, or they try to speak to everyone and they end up speaking to no one. They write as if there is no audience on the other side of what they have to say. They write as if no one's going to ever read it. In episode number three, I actually talked to you about how to profile your one perfect reader, how to understand who that person is and what they want. But it's not enough to just identify that one perfect reader. You have to then write to him or her. Now, listen, when I studied literary fiction for many years, we lived by a rule that you write for the five smartest people you know. That makes sense if you're writing a literary novel. There are some caveats I would add to that, but let's go with it. If you're writing young adult fiction, however, you can't just write to adolescents as a group. Who are these adolescents? Are they into video games? Are they activists? Are they interested in history or science fiction or both? It matters. When it comes to writing nonfiction, which most of my clients are writing nonfiction books, writing to your one perfect reader also matters. I recently read a book on leadership. Well, I read most of it or some portion of it. I couldn't actually finish it. And a big part of the problem was I couldn't get a grasp on who the author was talking to. 
Now, she started off well enough in her introduction. She invited executives and future executives to learn from her book, and that made sense. She was very specific in addressing them. So great, she was off to a good start. But as soon as she got into the content, she started speaking in very generic terms. Her content was for executives, but occasionally she would address her message to entrepreneurs. She used generic terms. She never addressed the reader directly again. Although she did occasionally use the pronoun I when she shared a rare story from her experience, she never addressed the reader again. She never said you. She never said we. Even when she had to use awkward sentence constructions, she bent over backwards to make sure she never used a personal pronoun. The book just was not going to connect with anyone. I will be shocked if anyone reads that book and feels like she's talking to her. The audience that she wants to reach and any audience you want to reach, she's trying to reach executives. Maybe you're trying to reach moms. Maybe you're trying to reach business owners. Maybe you're trying to reach educators. Whoever your audience is, they're still people. They still want to converse or feel like they're in conversation with your book. So her book is a how-to book. Her readers want to learn information they can use, but it's hard to do that when Your writing is so stilted and so formal that you can't get a grasp on it as a reader. I also got the feeling, and I could be totally wrong about this because I don't know her, but it came across as if she were writing the book in the least interesting way possible as a means to sound as smart as possible or to sound more academic. But there is a reason why they don't sell textbooks in the bookstores. They don't sell them in Target. They don't sell them in Costco. They don't sell them in Walmart. And that's because nobody wants to buy a textbook. Now, you might be a big old nerd. Yes, I was a big old nerd. There was an occasional class where you actually enjoyed the textbook. But for the most part, nobody wants to buy a flipping textbook. They're boring. So it's fine to require your readers to think, to to require them to think deeply, to encourage them to make connections. But you don't have to be boring to do that. Talking about big ideas, challenging their beliefs, introducing new beliefs, that will keep your readers engaged. That will demonstrate just how smart you are. That will show that you're an expert in the subject that you're writing about. This author fell into the trap of trying to write for everyone, I think, since she kept pulling in different groups. But one size fits all just doesn't work. It doesn't work for books. Think about it. Even the Bible has numerous translations, at least a dozen. I have no idea how many, but certainly more than 12. And that's because different people want to consume that same information in different ways. So in order to reach as many people as possible, we have those various translations. This book on leadership, though, was totally boring. I couldn't even finish it. If you want to have a book that will connect to your readers, if you want to write a book that will connect to your readers, you got to talk to them. Do the work I suggested in episode three to identify your one perfect reader, but also understand that there are hundreds of thousands of people just like that reader. Understand that people who are sort of like your one perfect reader but also quite different in some ways, will also connect with your book, but write to the one. Don't be afraid to use you or we in your how-to book, or even in a book when you share your philosophies without a lot of instruction. If you're writing narrative nonfiction, like a memoir or a story about another person or an event, maybe you never have to use you or we because you're not giving direction. You're telling a story, but that story still needs to have the details that will appeal to your specific reader. You still need to share the insights that your reader wants to hear. Think about the books that you enjoy reading, you personally. So I recently read several months ago, but recent to me, a book called With Winning in Mind. It's a book written by an Olympic gold medalist in shooting 
and I couldn't put it down. It was a book club pick for my mastermind group. And so it was kind of like, you have to read it, but it was great. I couldn't put it down. The author works with executives, but he did not write a boring executive brochure. Instead, he talks directly to his readers in his book. You can do X, Y, Z, he says. And then he tells you how. Now, this is a man who works with executives for a living. He runs an executive consulting firm, but his writing is still accessible. It's accessible, but it's authoritative because he knows what he's talking about and he has the results to prove it. And he includes many of those results in the book. I am quite sure this author, Lanny Basham, did not have me in mind and probably not even someone like me in mind as his one perfect reader when he wrote this book, but it still resonated with me. I bought the book. I read the book. I recommended it to other people. I'm telling you about it now with Winning in Mind by Lanny Basham. It's an excellent read if you're interested in peak performance of any kind. Once you know who your one perfect reader is, don't forget about him or her while you write. Write as if you're writing to that person, not necessarily as if you're talking to her or him, because your written voice is probably a bit more polished and precise than your conversational voice but I can promise you that you'll produce a better book by being conversational than you ever will by trying to be as neutral as possible or trying to appeal to everybody or trying to sound smart. You are smart. You don't need to try to sound smart. You may not be smart about everything, but you're smart about the topic you're writing about, and that's enough. As you're writing your book or as you're revising your book, think about that one perfect reader. Prop a picture of that person in a chair or on your table and look at her. Read your writing, print it out, or put your laptop there and read your writing to her as if she's right there in the room with you. And then be honest, do an assessment. Is she waiting to hear what comes next or is she falling asleep? Is she going to tell her friends and colleagues about your book or is she going to shove it aside, half finished, maybe a third finished? Is she going to leave you a great review on Amazon or is she going to skip the review altogether because she doesn't want to say anything bad? Be honest. Because this is fixable if you don't feel like your book is speaking to your audience yet. You can fix that. You'll know it if you're tripping over your words as you read it out loud. You'll know it if you start to lose the thread of your own writing. You'll know it if your voice sort of goes into this droning, mechanized sort of voice as you're reading it out loud because it's monotonous. You'll know it if you have to work really hard to make it sound exciting and interesting with your voice. All of those are signs that you've forgotten who your audience is, but that's okay. Don't panic. This is fixable. If you didn't write it with your reader in mind, with your one perfect reader in mind, you can rewrite it with your one perfect reader in mind and your book will be so much better for it. You can probably tell that I am passionate about this topic, but that's because When you forget about your reader, your brilliance gets lost. And I hate to see someone bury their gifts, their knowledge, and their wisdom under bloated writing. You still invested weeks or months or even years into writing your book, and then all that good stuff gets lost. Fortunately, that doesn't have to be you. Keep your one perfect reader in mind. Write to that person. Always be writing to that specific person. Always be writing as if you're writing to a person. Remember, you're not just writing to the ether. You're not just writing to get ideas on the page. You're writing to communicate those ideas to someone who can then use them for themselves or enjoy them. This is a communication process. It's not just you getting those ideas on the page 
It's the reader also being able to stay engaged long enough and to pick up your ideas. And when you keep your one perfect reader in mind, you can definitely make that happen. That's it for this week, my friends. If you got something out of this episode, something that will make a difference for you and your book, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and to leave us a great review. Reviews really are the lifeblood of podcasts. They just make it much easier for new listeners to find us. Thanks for listening to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis, and I'll see you next time. 